Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. How you guys doing? Everybody good today? So thankful that you are here at Freedom Church. If it's your first time, just think the building did not fall in. Isn't that cool? So glad you're here today, and thank you for coming out to Freedom Church. And man, we are going to jump in for those of you online and those of you in the auditorium. We are just excited to start this brand new series called Don't Blink. Look at the person next to you and say, don't blink, because time passes by very, very fast. So I will start in right out of the gate and ask this question. How many of you here have kids? Raise your hand. You have kids. Yes, whether they're grown, gone, whatever, you're in the heat of it right now. And just we're excited because we want to talk about this over the next several weeks. It's going to be very important. And I set it up to share this with you. Um, I have three grown daughters. Uh, I have number nine and number 10 grandchild on the way due in October. And we'll be married next month, 33 years. So, praise God for that. So, that's a, that's a blessing. But I remember very vividly when we were going to have our first child, Lily. I remember it just like yesterday. And I remember it because I hold this washcloth in my hand, okay? And I'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, every time I see a wet washcloth, it brings back memories, so, I remember we were going to have Lily, it was August 11th, 1991. It was on a Sunday morning that my wife went into labor in the wee hours of the morning. And so, what did I do? Fathers, we want to we rise to the occasion, you know what I'm saying? So, we make sure to get her bags and we get her in the car safely, get her buckled in. Her mom gets in the car with us and I turn on the flashers and I start zooming toward the hospital. She looks over at me and says, could you please slow down? I'll never forget that, you know. And uh, so I'm really trying to do my best as a, as a dad to get down there. So we get down there. We get Shanda checked in at the hospital. And a couple of hours went by. And finally, one of the nurses says, well, we'd already been there. We got, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And so it was like 4 o'clock, 3 or 4 o'clock when we got there. Uh, a couple hours later, 6, 7 o'clock, she says, well, it looks like we'll have a baby here by night. And I said, by night? Are you crazy? We got to stay here that long? I did. I was like a spoiled brat. You know, I went over and laid on a cot in the corner and pulled my cap down. And, uh, and so that didn't go real well. I wasn't really getting very many brownie points with my wife at the time. So here's what happened. My wife, uh, she went from a three to a 10 very fast. And what happened was the anesthesiologist thought that he would take a shower and take his time about even come to the hospital. So what happens, ladies, those of you moms, that you go from three to 10 really, really fast. You have a lot of what? What's that P word? Pain. So here again, I'm rising to the occasion. I'm going to help my wife have this baby and try to get through it as quick as she can. So every time that that monitor would say that that contraction would hit, I'd say, Shanda, I said, just concentrate on the clock. Don't think about the pain. Next thing I know, I had a wash rag hit me across my head about as fast as you could blink an eye. She said, you get to massage at my feet. I said, you know what I told her? Yes, ma'am. I learned a valuable lesson. Listen to me, dads, or especially dads to be, never tell your wife how to have a baby. It will not go well for you, okay? So anyway, 
we have the baby, 1047 a.m. on August 11, 1991, Lily was born. And we have this candlelit dinner. They had us a candlelit dinner, and they're taking care of Lily. We're sleeping good those couple of days. Every time she needs to be changed, they're taking care of all this team of nurses. It was really cool. And, and next thing you know, we have the Tennessee newspaper come in. And it's that time, and they said, we know about your baby being born. It's going to be baby of the week in a Tennessee paper. I said, that's really cool. Here's a picture of, of my beautiful child and my beautiful wife when Lily was born. Baby of the week. So... Then come time to go home, and they hand, it, hand her to us, and it gets real. We go home to no sleep and all those kind of things. I'm doing what I can to help out and, and everything, and the pee, the poop, the, all that stuff got real, okay? So let me ask the question. How many of you here would say that parenting is difficult? Raise your hand. Yes, it is. It is. It's difficult. It gets real, doesn't it, when you get home. Some of the single parents here, you're saying there's a better word for that, impossible. <laughs> That's what you're thinking. And then there's another group of people here. The empty nesters here, you know how I know you're empty nesters? Because you're the ones that's smiling the most, <laughs> right? Because you've already done the deal. They're out of your home. And, and then, of course, there are the grandparents. We are the ones that can get them stoked up on sugar and send them home, you know. And uh, that's a lot of fun. But then, how about the brand new parents? How many brand new parents we have here that you got a baby, it's your first one, two and under? Anybody? Raise your hand across it. Yes, yes. We got, I think, yeah. If, you're, if you have babies that's two and under or whatever, let's just have a moment of silence, okay? But anyway... Um, there is another category here as well. You don't have kids. You don't like kids. You don't want kids. You don't want to be near kids, and you don't want to even, even be around them whatsoever. Don't raise your hands, but here's what I will tell you. you. If you don't have kids, today's message is beneficial for everyone. You say, why is that? Because it's about what we need for healthy relationships in the home. So I hope you'll track with me. So let's take a look here at what it says in Psalm 127. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. Some of you might not be thinking that in, in times of parenting. But it says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. So what do you do with a gift from the Lord? Think about that. God gives you a gift. You're supposed to take care of that gift. You're supposed to understand that it's very, very important and believe that it's important to have a gift, especially when it comes to children. Nothing's more challenging and nothing's more gratifying than parenting. And when you think about parenting, here's something I want to clear up right now. I am not a pro-parent. Two of my three daughters are here today. You can ask them. But, and, and here's when you think about what's going on in our nation right now. We're living in a time in our nation where our nation is really breaking down, morally, spiritually. Why is that? Because there is a breakdown of the families and the homes, morally and spiritually, from what God had intended it. And I could give you all kinds of data about how poor our culture is right now and, and how society is seducing our kids into valueless immorality, but you already know it. Today, instead of parents raising children, children are raising parents. Children are in the driver's seat, in essence. Children are in control. See, there's a, 
misunderstanding and there's a misalignment of the principle of the family and the role of the parents. Even the prophet Isaiah seen that long ago of what was happening with Israel. It says in Isaiah 3, I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. Young people will insult their elders, and vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. Like then and today, there are children and youth that are in rebellion, living in rebellion. So here's what I will tell you. If you have kids now, you're thinking about having kids, or you got kids on the way, or you have nieces and nephews, or whatever it is, we all have influence on this generation. This is for all of us to be able to apply to our lives today. So why does God want us to have children? You ever thought about that? Why does God want us to have children? It's not so that you can have these little mini-me's or you can have these little look-alikes. And for some of you, it'd probably be a good thing you don't have a little look-alike. But anyway... With that being said, God's goal from the very beginning with mankind was for mankind to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth with children. Why is that? Because man was created in the image of Almighty God. So the goal is to raise your kids to to be able to replicate God's image, not just yours and mine. Matter of fact, God's purpose of parenting is simply this. Parents are to birth, raise, and replicate God's image in their children for God's glory to advance his kingdom. To be able to fill the earth through the relationship of marriage. Raising kids is just more than goo, goo, ga, ga. I never have understood that. We've all done it. Goochie, goochie, goo. You're just a little angel. How many of you ever called your child an angel before little angel? Raise your hand. The problem is calling them a little angel when you tick them and they're cuddly and they're cute. The problem is with that, that their legs get longer and their wings get shorter and the little angel becomes a little devil. Right? It just all of a sudden, you just wonder, what happened to my kid that was so good? I don't understand what has happened to my child. And, and here's what I know. I would say that there's some of you here, you never cussed until you had kids. I'd say that's true. So what did God do? God set up a hierarchical plan for the expansion of his kingdom on earth through you and I as parents having children. As a matter of fact, when you think about God's plan in the home, you think about it from this measure. God is the everywhere at one time sovereign God. He's everywhere across the earth. And he's through that, through the Holy Spirit of God, okay? Then in your home, you should have a Christ-centered home. Christ should be about everything in your house. It should be about Jesus, okay? Then from Christ being head of the home, then you have the husband, okay? You have the husband. Then God created it that he's over the husband to have a helpmate, which is the wife. Then... These two together right here that are in holy matrimony, they are to be above their children. So this is God's hierarchical plan. This is his chain of command, if you would say, for the family. 
And when you think about this and how this lays out and what God is saying by this, I want us to take a look today so we understand how this works out. Four particular verses. There'll be some others I'll add in, but four particular verses that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We want to break them down and we want to take a look at how can you and I be intentional parents now and throughout our children's lives, most of all when they're in our homes, to be able to get that biblical foundation. The first verse here, it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Children here that Paul is referring to, children that are raised and reared in the Lord Jesus Christ, they make Jesus the Lord of their life. And you teach your kids when they are coming up in your home to not only have Jesus in their heart and in their life, but you teach your children to fear the Lord. That is, you teach your children to be able to have reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God of all. He is the one that gives them breath and gives them life. And when your child becomes a Christian... It doesn't release them of their normal obligations that they have in the home here with their family leading up. You understand what I'm saying? Say yes. Matter of fact, whenever my three girls were in our home, Paul wrote a word to Colossae, the church of Colossae, Colossians 3 and 20. Children, always obey your parents for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. When my children, were, were dis, when they were disrespectful, they were dishonorable, or uh, they were disobeying, this is something that they would do, then they would have to recite this verse after we had time of prayer, time of discipline, and a time of love, and a time of getting back on track. But a healthy home that has harmony, understand that it comes from a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. A healthy home has that. And then when, whenever you have a husband that's serving the wife, then that wife should want to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. And then the children are obeying their parents. And as they obey their parents because they belong to the Lord, this is the right thing to do, it says. Look at verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Okay, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Do you understand that Paul is citing the fifth commandment out of the ten with the promise? And get this, listen to me, parents, closely. Parents, you get to affect how long your kids will live in this world by how you teach them to honor you. hope you understand what I just said. Not just how long they live, but how well they live is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. So, and I also want to speak, if there are any kids in the house here today or online or any teenagers, I want you, if you don't listen to nothing else I tell you today, tune your ears to me, teenagers, and tune your ears to me, any kids that's in the house today. Listen to me closely. Giving honor through your obedience to your parents will determine how long you will live and not die before your appointed time that God has for you. That's what this word is saying here. You know why there's so much hell in homes today? Because homes have invited another family member. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer. His name is the devil, whatever you want to call him. And when you allow Satan to sliver into your home and you break down God's hierarchical command here, then you've invited the devil to come and live in your home as an extra family member. 
When men are not under Christ Jesus as Lord, whenever women aren't under men and children aren't under their parents, understand the devil will bring havoc into your home. The flipping and the twisting of God's ordained way here that we're talking about is an invitation for the devil to come in and have a heyday in your house. So when you have that extra family member that we're talking about, do you ever wonder why there's World War III in homes today? You ever thought about that? Raising your children isn't just a biological thing. Raising your children isn't just a physical thing. Raising your children isn't just a familial thing. Raising your children is a spiritual thing. You raise your children in the Lord so that your children will always have a God-centered worldview. Let me say it again. A, you, want, they want to have, you want to teach them that they have a God-centered worldview, transferring to your children what you have gotten from the Lord. But understand, as parents, if you haven't gotten anything from the Lord, then you can't give them anything from the Lord. Transference of godly faith to your children is the most critical thing that you can do in raising your children. How many of you that are parents would like to see your kids to, to be able to obey and because it's right, because it's commanded, and because it's, the blessings come from that? How many of you want your kids to do that? Okay. Well, listen to me closely. If you would like to see those first three verses that I just talked about played out in your kids' lives, it will be your intentionality as parents to what you will do with verse 4. Four particular things in verse 4 will have to be played out and acted out in word and deed in your life. So let's see what can happen. It says in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is the verse. Understanding that God ordained the fact that a father in the scripture here would raise the children, not moms. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I'm talking about the spiritual formation, the DNA of the values that your kids will take out of your home is to come from you, dad. It's to come from your leadership in that. I'm not excluding moms at all. If you look at verse one, what does it say? Children, obey your parents. That means mom and dad. You're to be there. But here's what I will tell you. It's just like when my home, I remember when my wife was a stay-at-home mom. And she would be with my kids all day long. And then something would happen. And Shanda would say, just wait till your father gets home or wait till your dad gets home. There was an anticipation that the buck stopped with me as their father. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're a messed up man... If you're an absentee father, or your wife has to beg you and kick you out of bed to be able to go to church, if she has to beg you to pray with the kids, or she has to beg you to read the Bible to your kids, there's a problem. It's a spiritual problem. But that stems from the lack of right spiritual raising of dads themselves. That stems from the fact that the lack of a dad raising a future dad it's important and I know there are moms here under the sound of my voice that you do not have a father in the home I get that do your best pray to God for strength to be able to fill in the gaps while you're going through that and in just a couple of weeks I'm going to talk about single parenting it's it's a crucial thing and it needs to be addressed in our society but understand the devil wants dads out of the home at whatever expense 
The devil wants to kick dad out of the house. Whatever it takes, the devil knows if he can get dad out of the picture, then he can become dad of the mom and dads to be the premier influence in their lives. That's why he don't want you there, dad. He wants to become the dominant influence in your boys and in your girls' lives. See, there's a lot of outsourcing of parenting today taking place. Outsourcing of TV and Disney Plus, outsourcing of iPhones, outsourcing of babysitters, outsourcing of gaming systems, outsourcing of government, and the list goes on and on. Bringing them up is on the parents to take responsibility. So why is that? If your home gets shuffled and the deck of the God's hierarchical chain of command gets shuffled, then the devil gets in your house. If you're not careful, sin will get in you, mom. Sin will get in you, dad. And if sin gets in your home, where's sin going to go from mom and dad? It's going to go to the what? Children. That's why it's addressed in, in Exodus 20. It says here, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Did you hear that? The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You see, if you're not making this hierarchical command in God-centered home through Christ Jesus, then you're just messing up your kids. But you're not just messing up your kids. You're messing up your kids, kids, kids. Live to give your kids a divine framework of reference to live from. Our job as parents is to escort them into the future, giving them what it means to operate under God's rule, under God's lead. So you need to own parenting. You need to own parenting. Too much outsourcing of that responsibility of parenting can and will debilitate your kid's future. It's so true. So let's talk about four things that you and I can be intentional with, with our parenting. It all comes from verse 4. The first thing is you just don't provoke them. Don't provoke them. Don't, Don't agitate them. Look what it says there in the Word. It says very simply, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Reminds me of a story of a father that was having... A birthday celebration with his family, just his just immediate family. And his little boy got excited when the gift opening time comes. And he brings him a gift. And dad begins to unopen the gift. He thought it was sort of light. And so as he's opening the gift, he got and he opened the lids of the box. And the father looked in and there wasn't anything there. And he very quickly began to chastise his son and, and more or less provoke his son. He says, son, whenever you're going to give somebody a gift, don't you know that you need to put a gift in the box? You don't give them, wrap up an empty gift, son. Do you understand? And the boy got visibly upset. And he began to cry. And he said, dad, it's full of hugs and kisses for you. Sometimes we jump to conclusions too quick. Make sure that you know the whole story before you address the whole story with your kids. You don't provoke them. You don't provoke them to anger. Let me tell you something about kids. You don't create an environment that creates an angry child. 
You don't provoke them. You don't set them off. You don't raise them and cuss them also. You be the chief cheerleader in your kids' lives. Now, yes, you are to correct your children. Yes, but you love them more. Let me tell you something, dads. You date your daughters. You date your daughters, dads, so that they know what a godly date is to be about from a man to treat them right. It's that important. That important. Don't just brag on them for what they do. You brag on them for who that they are. You let them know that they are special. They are made in the image of God and that you are proud of them and that you love them no matter what in this life. You don't provoke them, but let me tell you what you do. Do you nurture them? We look at the original writing of that bring them up, as it says right here, rather bring them up. That means to nurture them. That means to bring them up, nurture them. And it's not just talking about food and clothing and shelter and a vehicle and an iPhone and college education. No, no, no. It's much more than that. You're to nurture them emotionally, but most of all, you're to nurture them spiritually. Look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. See, you're to direct them onto the right path path that is a righteous path when you think about the righteousness of God for you and I to have righteousness that's when you and I have a right to relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ who gave his life for us on Calvary who died on a cross that his father grew out of the ground for my sins and for yours so you want to direct your children onto that right path that righteous path and if you don't teach God's word to your family I promise you Satan has a word for your family to be able to teach your kids especially Satan has his own message Satan has his own kingdom Satan has his own teachers he's got teachers in neighborhoods if you're not careful he's got teachers in school he's got teachers in another kid that has a total lack of regard for anything about God so neither the government nor the church has been charged to do what parents are supposed to to do we're to own the parenting so we as parents can't blame the church we as parents don't need to blame the state if your kids turn out messed up it starts with you and I being intentional parents right where we're at but I will encourage you and I will say to you if you do your job you love your kids you encourage their kids because your kids aren't going to get encouraged a lot of times out there you be the chief encourager and lover of your children and you love them and you give them God's word early in their life the good news is sometimes even when you give them that foundation they may take a turn to the left but I will tell you that whenever you've done that God through the Holy Spirit has a hook to bring them back him bring them back in that right relationship so your prayers and your faithfulness and God's word planted in their hearts that will make a difference in their lives. So you nurture them. You love them. You pray with them. You read your Bible with them. You spend time with them. You get to know them deeper than you could ever imagine. And if your kid ever comes to you and, and you're talking about church and all those kind of things, you don't go up to your child and say, do you want to go to church today? <laughs> that would be like going up to him and say, do you want to go to school today? Uh, I don't think it's an option, right? But maybe, is there a maybe in there? The reason you're asking them, do you want to go to church? Because really, in essence, you're asking yourself that question. Spiritual foundation needs no cracks in it. 
Don't provoke them. You nurture them. You raise them in his ways. And then it says discipline them. It says in particular discipline them in the Lord. So you give them daily godly discipline. And I'm going to talk about this in depth in a few more weeks. But you're to break the child's will without crushing the child's spirit. Some of you are wondering, what do you mean? How many of you here would lift your hand and say, I have a strong-willed child? Raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. God help them. When you're telling your child the right thing to do and they're pushing back really, really hard, that will must be broken. Understand what I'm telling you. But you do it without crushing their spirit. That's why the Bible combines love and discipline together you correct them while loving them now teenagers struggle they struggle between dependence and independence you say what do you mean pastor they want to be free but they can't afford to be free they don't have no money they don't have a job and so they don't want to be taught what to do either So you can be frustrated as a teen. You can be disagreeable at times as a teen. But you're not to be rebellious to your parents as a teen. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? You are to give boundaries to your kids. Boundaries, as they go, they might be this high and this narrow. But as they are doing what they need to do, the the boundaries come down and the path gets wider. Then if they're in rebellion, what happens? It goes right back up again. That's what happens. Parents, the only way that they can be rebellious in your home is if you allow them to be rebellious in your home. You can have those boundaries and it's up to you, but there's no rebellion. Matter of fact, there's a particular story in the scripture that some of you might not even know of that happened. There was a family, and that family had a son, and that son was being rebellious. As a matter of fact, he was being rebellious in a way like this. Let me read it in your hearing. Suppose a man, and this is what's happened, suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. This is Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 through 21, for those of you who want to jot it down. Even though they discipline him. In such a case... The father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gates. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. In other words, he had gotten to be an older teenager, wasn't ready to get out of the house, but yet doing these kind of things. He gone crazy. Y'all got teenagers, sometimes they go crazy. You think an alien's taking their body over and you're beginning to watch things about aliens because you think that's what's happened to your teenager. Anyway... But it says here that he was a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. There's not one example in the scriptures that this had to be played out because they were serious about rebellion hope you understand that so the boy was not getting his way and they said we're gonna we'll do that it reminds me of a story of a a boy took his 
uh, a father took his boy to the store and he wanted to get him a nice toy. And so the father is really adamant about this. He goes and gets a manager and says, please take my son up in the aisle until he finds the toy that he wants. So the manager ends up taking the boy up and down the aisle, three, four aisles, showing him everything that he had, and he still didn't like anything. So the boy's getting frustrated. He couldn't find what he wanted. The dad's frustrated because the manager wasn't finding his son what he wanted. And then finally, the manager, he's frustrated. He can't do anything about it. So the dad grabs his son. He goes up to the manager and says, why can't you find my son a toy that my son wants? And the manager quickly replied, he said, because we don't sell in this store what your son needs. And it's the truth. A lot of times we let it play out when we do not need to. Now, there's one last thing here. He says, instruct Instruct them. No, rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You teach the kids to operate under divine guidelines of the Lord so that when they leave your home, they still have the divine guidelines of the Lord. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, right before the children of Israel go into the promised land led by Joshua. And this is from the message. It says, write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. And then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you go, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. In other words, you teach them over and over and over and over again. Did you know that less than 10% of families are having any kind of faith conversation in their homes in this nation other than an occasional mealtime prayer? I will tell you what we will do here at Freedom Church. At Freedom Church, we will teach your kids faith and values here. But we only get them usually one hour a week. You've got them, the other 167. What I'm challenging you to do is to be intentional in your parenting that what you do at home and your prayer and your Bible study and your faithfulness with the church and how that you are giving them divine guidelines in your home when they get here we're building on top of what the layer you already laying as a parent does that make sense say yes i hope you understand that it's very very important you see as a parent your destiny it's your destiny it's your job description to do the things i'm talking about and it's definitely going to be worth your best interest to be intentional in your parenting I remember as a young, ignorant dad coming home to my wife having three little girls, and she was a stay-at-home mom and, and wife there, and I remember coming home, and, and I, remember dis- I remember distinctly coming home, and I, I looked at Shanda one day, and I said, what have you been doing all day? First parenting tip, guys, you ever do, do not come home to your wife if she's been at home with your kids all day long. And ask her, what have you been doing all day? Big mistake, okay? I never ask her that again, ever. You know, it takes 
mom and dad, and they do, ladies, you do so much. Moms, you do so much with the little ones. I will tell you that and, and say to you, if your kids have left your home and you feel like you have failed as a parent because they're not living for the Lord, please don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up and say that you failed. Just pray to God and ask God to get them back on track or to get on track with God. This is really the bottom line to it. What are your beliefs in your life rooted in? Because it's so important that you have this God hierarchical foundation for your family, for your homes. Don't try to get your kids to have character without conviction. If you don't teach them the conviction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, then when it comes to the character, the character doesn't hold up. See, character without conviction is confusion. If there's beliefs, if their beliefs aren't rooted and grounded in a biblical foundation, the character folds up instead of holding up. So what kids need most of all from parents, listen to me parents closely, is belief in the value of godly parenting. Got to believe it. Parents, your values, your actions, your belief will be the greatest influence in your kids' lives. Kids want a mom and a dad to be the hero. They want you to be the premier influence in their lives, even sometimes when you don't think that. Why is that? Because that's how God designed it. That's how God set it up. And that's how God created the family system to be able to work. Your calling as a parent is more important than you probably ever thought it was. How many of you want your kids to depend on God when they leave your home? Yes. Then they're going to need to see you depending on God in your home. Whatever your kids' exposure is on a systematic basis will become their DNA. Casual church attendance and hit and miss prayers and and Bible reading, those things that are just ever now and then. Listen to me. Bookshelf faith won't prepare your kids for what they're going to face out there. It won't do it. So... I want to tell you something. The greatest thing that your kids need, Jesus is the greatest gift you will ever give your kids. The greatest gift, hands down. And so don't live in regret with that. Do whatever you can do to get them to Jesus and have a foundation when they leave with Jesus. It's that important. So let's think about what everyone needs. None of us can be the parents or the people of, that God desires us to be until we understand really what we need. Is that important? Look, look what Paul said here to the, to the Ephesians here in chapter 4, in that, to this church. He said, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, whoever, who is over all, in all, and living through all. It needs no commentary for what I just read. How optimistic are you about the future? You see, many people can't anticipate a better life than what they're currently living. Maybe... Some of you are thinking, well, if, Pastor, if you had my situation, you would understand why I, don't, I can't really see anything. But if you had my kids, Pastor, or if you had my health situation that I just got the report from the doctor, or if you understood that we're financially crunched right now, I, I was supposed to get the promotion and the raise. It didn't happen. You don't understand. I don't have any help in our home. See, a lot of times we just have those things that's right in front of us that you see the tree, you can't see the forest. See, maybe it's time you decide that you put the entirety of your hope in God and what He can do for you, through you, and for your circumstances around you. And we, as a church, want to partner with you. And we'll help you any way we can as a church family. We're here to help. But listen to me closely. And when you are the one who's calling all the shots in your life, in your circumstances, in your situation. Guess who isn't calling shots? God. So with that being said, I want you to stand with me and I want to ask you to bow your heads as we go into a time of what God can do in and through everyone's life and situation today. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm thankful, God, for everyone here today. I'm so thankful, God, in knowing that you want the best for everyone here, for the parents, for the kids, for the grandkids. It's all about you being the very best in our lives and us being our very best godly influence for you, for those that we have the opportunity to make and mold in your likeness and image, for your glory, for your kingdom. God, right now, Lord, in this time of commitment, God, I pray, God, for each one, seek your face. Right now, I want to do something special as we continue to pray. If you're a parent here and you're in the thick of the battle, or you're a parent here and you're broken about your kids or whatever it is, you just want to step up and be the best parent you can be, I want to ask the parents to come to the front here right now as we're going to have a time of prayer. Just slip out and come up here and we're going to have a special time together as you come forward. Make room for all the parents to be able to make their way up here. The rest of you that will be here, I want to ask you to pray for them and pray with me and pray with those that are coming up here and parents that are coming it is difficult parenting but it's not impossible and I'm thankful for each of you that's come up here maybe you didn't make your way up here that's okay it's just a special place for time for pray but I want to ask you as parents to pray as I pray with you and I'll pray for you 
but you're going to do everything you can do to raise your intentionality with your kids like you've never done it before. Even if they have gone from your home, you don't badger them, you don't look down on them, you don't chastise them, you love them, love them, love them. Love your kids for who they are and who they can become in Jesus. So you just ask God, use me to do that. Father, right now, God, as I pray with these parents here, God, I just want to pray a special prayer, God, that they are going to get the power that they need from your spirit, God, today in a time like this. God, bless them as parents. Bless them as moms and dads and husbands and wives and, God, and single parents, God, and and those that are just struggling to make it happen. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless them, God, to be intentional in what they do for their kids, for their family, for their home, for these gifts of children that you have given them. I pray this in Jesus' name. God, bless them right now, God, not to look down on any failure they may have had, but to be power-filled parents led by Jesus Christ, that we lead our family, we lead our homes through your values, Heavenly Father, through your strength and through your power. God, we pray for these kids of this generation. God, that your hand would be upon them, God, that they will advance your kingdom and they will bring you glory as they are invested in now, God. We rebuke Satan from the homes here, God, that's represented. He has no right to be in them. We pray, God, they'll kick this member out of their homes and they're going to live faithfully, God, in a God-centered home with a God-centered worldview, living for you. God, bless them. Bless their homes, God. Bless their homes, God. In Jesus' name. As we continue praying. I want you to understand that you cannot have God's power till God's presence is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's why you're here today. You'll never be the power-filled parent for Jesus unless Jesus is in your heart and in your life so he can be in your home. Maybe you're here and you're hurting and you're not even a parent yet. And you know life has thrown you some curveballs and things are hurting in your life and, and you're just giving God a chance. It's about Jesus. It's about being born again and making him Lord of your life. So right now, if that's you today, would you just pray to him right where you're at and just and know that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He shed his life's blood for you on a cross, and he died, and he rose again as a perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. Understand you can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's by grace through faith that you are saved. So call on him today. I'll help guide you, but it's your prayer under your conviction that will make the difference to become Jesus, to have Jesus become your Lord. Just tell him, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I open my heart to you. Just tell him, say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior today. Please forgive me. Transform me, Lord. I don't want to do life my way any longer, Lord. I'm yours. Just tell him right now, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my whole life to you today. Save me, my life is yours. I surrender now. If that's you, right where you're at in this time of prayer, and you felt the Lord Jesus clear your heart of sin and make you whiter than snow, and you know heaven now is your home for the first time, would you just lift your hand real high right where you're at and say, yes, I prayed. I prayed for that. I prayed for that. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, thank you for what you're doing right now, God. Thank you for the lives you're touching, the lives you're saving. Bless these families for your glory and your honor to advance your kingdom through these beautiful gifts you give us called children. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.